1: In this town, there is no offseason. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's a post-game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. The Browns fall to the Ravens. That's four straight losses in a row. 23-20 the final, and the Browns look better but not enough to pull off a victory and that's why they have four straight losses uh today's show brought to you locally by our good friends at smiley one heating cooling and plumbing brian smiley one the right choice for your comfort initial reaction daryl Ryder.
0: i got nothing after that
1: zero, <laughs> nothing you're toast you're nothing I'm, we got time to fill here my I, friend we better get talking about something because the browns I'm, didn't win
0: i'm like the browns in 2022 toast
1: yeah so you're saying you get, were like couldn't even get to halloween
0: like couldn't even get to halloween without football in this town being dead already Apparently, guys were yelling in the locker room. According to what I'm seeing on Twitter, I guess there was some fighting or some yelling in the locker room. According to those that attended the game in Baltimore, I did not. Therefore, I have secondhand information. But um, yeah, that's that's what's on Twitter right now is that there was yelling and screaming after the game from the locker room. So
1: things are going well. At when the media was in the room or out of the room?
0: I, I don't know. I guess out of, out. I'm guessing standing outside the locker room. Uh, Mary Kay uh, asked Kevin Stefanski, someone asked Kevin Stefanski about tempers flaring. Um, and he just said normal football. Miles Garrett was asked about it. So, yeah, some, something happened uh, in the locker room after the game.
1: Well, I will say this, and and just watching Kevin Stefanski in that postgame press conference, that was not a, I mean, obviously he had looked like he had the life sucked out of him because he did. I mean, the way that yep. the team finished it and um I also thought it was interesting that he um towed the line on criticizing the officials at the end of the game too just saying I'm sure I'll get an explanation on that at least twice in the post-game yeah. press conference
0: I really hate to be the uh the Browns got hosed by the officials guy but I it, it's a part of this there were some pretty terrible calls the uh fact that Jacoby Brissett got hit late twice. They Ooh, that was
1: threw, bad. Yeah. They threw
0: a flag on one of them and then picked it up. Um, and then uh, you had the offensive pass interference to wipe the 35-yard touchdown off the board to Amari Cooper. I thought that was a pretty weak call. And then the I'm still trying to figure out the false start. You know, my understanding is that the, set, the long snapper, Charlie Hewlett, is allowed to lift the ball to position it. To snap to snap it, and he's allowed to lower his head in doing, you know, so that he can see where he's going to fire the football without that being a foul. Um, the fact that the officials couldn't even get the right number right as far as who the player was that false started is problematic. But two Ravens came into the neutral zone and hit the Browns' line. I, I don't know. I that should have gone against the Ravens in my view. And uh, I know some people on Twitter are already calling me a homer for thinking that. Too bad. Like, I think that was a pretty terrible call. Uh, What was also interesting is that they shortened. uh, That should have been a 61 or a 62-yard try. But they were going to hold it from the right at midfield at the 50, which meant it was a 60-yard try. Right. Which it obviously got blocked. Um, York has the ability to make that kick. He's got the leg for it but you know as i wrote in my top takeaways andy it's awful tough not to feel that the browns got hosed by the officials but at the same time they the browns did plenty in this game to beat themselves plenty starting with kevin stefanski um but yeah uh, this this is um this has the potential to get real ugly real fast. I have a my, my my spidey sense is tingling and none of it is positive.
1: Um I plenty of thoughts. I, I you know they were I, I if you want to look at the glasses being half full you can say they played much better than they did against the Patriots. I'll give them that. And there oh, were yeah. times, yeah I mean there were times when I thought the defense was going to come through early in the second half. I mean they had the sack attack going on that they we hadn't seen play. all season. Yeah putting, they did
0: you aren't putting this one on Joe Woods this week. Um, Mike Prefer should take another flogging from the media and fans, but not Joe Woods. Joe called a great – and, it was you know, people say, oh, I see Joe Woods called a good game today. Well, how do you know he's not been calling good games? Maybe right. his players just aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Did you ever think about that? And that I then blame on the general manager who brought the players in and stocked the team. So may, maybe Joe Woods isn't as terrible as, you know, we've been – Making him out to be, but th- the coaches tend to take more blame uh, than players do when things are going south. And right now, the Browns are two and five, and they're pretty much cooked. Like I, I just, I don't think there's any recovering from this, Andy. I-, I really don't. Like even if they beat the Bengals and go into the bye week, and they're three and five, and everyone's back on the bandwagon again, coming out of the bye week, you got to go to Miami, Buffalo, and then come home for the Buccaneers. Good news: Buccaneers lost today. Uh uh, so uh, you know maybe there's a slim chance that uh, you know Tampa Bay is on the the downslope of things because it was a pretty bad loss losing to the Carolina Panthers who I think are on their seventh quarterback right now and you know they they lost 21 to three. So um it's just it's really, really hard to to feel anything good about the Browns right now after this game. It really is.
1: Well, I think the other hard part about this too is it's another AFC loss, which is the fourth tiebreaker. If you actually, I mean, I like, I don't even want to talk about and, and, tiebreakers. And, and, let's and, be honest. No,
0: it's it's unrealistic. It's it's unrealistic to discuss any type of postseason right now. Uh, options for the Browns—they're um, three games below five hundred. They, Houston Texans, are. Sending bouquets of flowers right now to 76 LaGrosa Boulevard because this is a top 10 draft pick that they're in line to get. Uh, and Deshaun Watson hasn't even played a snap for them. And, you know, what is scary to me is when I look at this whole picture, Andy, um, they're all in on this roster. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to have to fix in the offseason. And they're not going to have a first round pick to be able to do that.
1: Well, I just don't think. I mean, you're gonna how how deep are they going to try to fix it with draft picks? And it was right, you don't have it. And two, yes, I mean, you, it, he doesn't. It, I mean, we don't seem to be walking away from our current draft picks. You anything. know,
0: Andrew Berry's done such a great job drafting Pro Bowlers from the third to seventh rounds of the draft since he's gotten here. That's the other part of this. Andrew Berry's draft picks haven't been that great. They really haven't. If you really want to go with the substance of it, they haven't. I mean, JOK had a great day today. Give him, you know, uh, I'll give him that one. But when you look at the totality of these uh, three draft classes that Andrew Berry has, there's there's not a whole lot there. He's kept them all except for one, Richard LeCount. Uh, He's kept all of his picks basically. But when you talk about meaningful, game-changing, winning football contributions from his draft picks, nah, nothing. And Anthony Schwartz was inactive. Sunday. And he was remember going into the season. He was supposed, this was supposed to be quantum leap year for him.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm I gotta be honest with you. uh, The more I, and as I look through it again, I just don't see where the offside was on the Browns on that kick. Now It it has to
0: be the move in the football. That's the only thing that I can think. If you look very closely, you could see Charlie Hewlett right before he puts his head down to look between his legs, to find the target where he's going to snap the ball you see him reset the football very slightly. Oh, and man. That's when you see the Ravens move. It's that's weird. What I have to believe is the foul. That's the yeah. only, that is the only thing that could have been a foul. And again, my understanding is the center is allowed to reposition, re- position yeah. it so he can fire it back. Um, I, you see it all the time. On PATs and field goals, where the long snapper, you know, as he's bent over in his stance, moves the football into position and sets it before he fires it back uh, to the holder. It happens all the time, but again, that's the only place that I can see any type of a foul that could be considered a false start by the Browns because there isn't a single offensive lineman in that formation that moved until those two Ravens came off the line and ran into guys. That's and, when yeah. that's when the Browns movement occurred.
1: The, there's one other point to that snap, too, that I, I don't know if you recognize or saw this, too. But last time I checked, if the offense is offside, it's an automatic whistle, correct? Dead ball at that moment. Play off, does not no, move oh, there's, forward. There's,
0: there's no offsides on offense. It's defense is offsides. False. Right. It's, it's, it's false, false start. start. It's
1: a dead ball, though, right? Dead on. ball. There's no movement. That as soon as you see the movement on the offense, that would trigger the penalty. They the would play is the over. Yeah, they would blow the whistle. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that they they went they to go slap the that. until
0: the two Ravens come across and slam into uh, the Browns line.
1: Then well, they watch. The the, here's the other issue: the clock. Look at the clock because the Browns lost the two minute warning on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that that was some quality home timekeeping.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder I, – I, well, you know, when they replay this game at the end of the season because of the protest, I'm sure that this will all come into light. <laughs> like, that ever happens. Yeah, I But whatever. Look, yeah, don't leave it up to the officials. Don't leave it up to them in the end. That's they all.
0: put it in the officials' hands a little bit, and, you know, the the management at the end of the first half – uh Nick Chubb, I wrote this too. He he must get absolutely gassed in games because they tend to give him breaks at inexplicable times.
1: Let's talk about that when we come back too, because if you look at the numbers, and again, you need to get Nick Chubb to 17, i I'm sorry, get him to 18 carries. Talk about that when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder on Andy Baskin. Passion, drive, and patience. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. This is the post-game edition of the Browns' loss to the Ravens, 23-20, the fourth time this year that they've lost by three points or less. Uh, it's uh, another tough run. I, I, I'm still like, I'm trying to figure out. The balance they're using with Nick Chubb. If you go back and look at his records, when he has more than 18 carries, they're 11 and three. Why would you not try to get to 18? That should be one of the first goals. And you don't want Jacoby Brissett to throw over 34. I don't even know what he threw. I I mean, he didn't look bad passing. So I'm not going to worry about that right now. But I just, it's the Chubb factor. And like, I feel like we're just burning him for some of the best years of his career and not giving him the opportunity to win this thing. I get it. You don't want to run a back into the ground, but I don't think it's, it's too much to ask to get that guy to a regular rhythm of 18 to 20 carries when you know the odds are in your favor to win. You want to talk about analytics, boom, that's analytics right there. <laughs>
0: oh, I love when you use data against the Browns because they're supposed to be the data brainiacs or geniuses. Yeah, um, I'm
1: not Mensa. I'm second grade. I'm look, just telling I, I you. Go,
0: I go back to the.
1: Tries me nuts.
0: I go back to the the Amari Cooper offensive pass interference. That was a third and two. Why are you not giving the ball to Nick Chubb? Why are you throwing a bomb in that cake in that situation? Now it worked early in the game, the 55 yard pass to Amari. Uh, that caught the Ravens by surprise, but I just again it goes back to outsmarting yourselves. Now. He did catch the ball. It would have been a, a 35 or 36 yard touchdown, but he pushed off, and it was a slight push off. But doesn't matter. It got called. Like yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like I, I can sit here and complain until I'm blue in the face about what a terrible call that I think that is. Okay, but the official chose not to let that go and chose to call it. And so you kind of have to blame Amari for putting the official in the position to make the call. I mean, you could see clearly that he extended his hand and
1: as soon as he pushed as, off, that, I didn't think there was any to, I like I, I thought right away he pushed off I didn't I mean and I I mean there, there's no homer in me yeah I mean, Amari it, Coopers it, one of my favorite players on this team he pushed off there's just I don't think there was any doubt on that plus they also got lucky when the two guys were fighting that we didn't get uh, either offsetting penalties or yeah. a penalty against the Browns only you know on that 15yard uh play that moved the Ravens back I but You still go back to there's a time and point in the game. Even when they cause a fumble, the Browns were having difficulty stopping the run on that drive.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I just, it, again, some of Kevin Stefanski's play calling just makes me scratch my head. It really does in some of these situations. Again, I just feel like he's constantly trying to outsmart people and in doing so, he just the only person he ends up outsmarting is himself, and it it, it costs the Browns. Is it uh, all him? Kareem oh, Hunt only question. had five carries today, but you know what I mean. So here's the here's the thing now, and I'm sure in subsequent podcasts we're going to really dive into this. But do you fire sale? Do you trade Kareem Hunt? Do you trade Jadavian Clowney? Do you trade veterans? that you have on these one-year contracts that you don't see as part of your long-term future. So you can start to stockpile some draft assets that position you to be able to move up next year in the draft. Um, this is going to be something that Andrew Barry is going to have to think long and hard about. And quite frankly, at this point, I'm all for it because this team's going nowhere they I mean, this season's flushed. Um, it, it felt that way when Deshaun Watson was suspended for eleven games. The problem, Andy, is that they're not losing games because he's suspended. They are losing games because they themselves keep shooting themselves in the foot, whether it's a lack of execution, not making the the critical plays, you know, when it comes down to it. Look, the defense, I've We've both been all over the defense, and and deservedly so. They gave the offense a crack at it, man. Forced a turnover with over three minutes to go. Give them the football back. There you go, guys. There's your shot. Go get it done. And the offense couldn't get it done. Like, I mean, this is, you know, Jacoby Brissett has his limitations. Yeah, he was 22-27 today for 258. Statistically, when you look at those numbers, Andy, it's great.
1: You're like man, Jacoby had a really, really good game. What well, his uh, his quarterback rate is like, one hundred seven, something like that. Yeah, one hundred six point five. Yeah.
0: But like, but then when you actually watch the game, you're just like, yeah, he's pedestrian. He's a pedestrian quarterback. That's why he's not a starter in the National Football League. And Kevin Stefanski continues to call games like he has Deshaun Watson on the field. Like he, I, I just, it doesn't appear that Stefanski has made for any exception that he does not have four available to him. It's like, this is what we're going to call, and that's it. And the other mind-numbing thing is his opening scripts are fabulous. That opening drive, you could – he scripts so well on opening drives. It was perfect. It's as perfect as it can get. I got to pull it up because I I wrote about it and mentioned it. Six –
1: what, 637, 11 plays. I mean, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, okay. Here it was is. Six plays went to Chubb, two to David yep. Joku, one to Harrison Bryant, another to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and they converted a fourth and one on a QB sneak. Chubb finished the drive with the two-yard touchdown run for a 7 nothing lead. But it, it, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. And then we get into situational play calling. And you're just sitting there scratching your head. Like what on earth is Kevin Stefanski doing? Um, I go to the end of the first half. I'm not crazy about that. I'm not crazy coming out. And instead, Chubb had a half hour to to rest. And then you come out of the locker room. That That's with the end of the first half, plus halftime, plus the Ravens had the ball to start the second half. And again, the defense did their job a fantastic sequence. You had two sacks and, and uh, JOK had a pass breakup in that sequence too on second down forced the three and out. You get the, you get the ball back right away and you don't give it to Nick Chubb to start the second half. Like well, why he, don't he, you go back to that formula coming out of the locker room instead? Hey, it's a great idea. We're going to have Jacoby Brissett pass three straight times coming out. And guess what happened? Corey Bohorkas, come on down.
1: Um, you know he only had 12 carries. Go. I think he only had 12 carries. If I'm off by one, I might be off by one. Um, 12 carries going into the fourth quarter, which makes me wonder. I'm. I don't know what he had at halftime, but I just went back and looked at that, and I'm like, y- you know, you can just help yourself out by using the best player on the field. And I just yeah. like, yeah, it's just too much common sense. Chubb had. I-, I don't understand at halftime, it. By the way it's yeah, 7 at the break. 7
0: carries I, for 20 yards at halftime.
1: On pace for 14, right? So you can't you, they need to get him to 20. They need to get him to 18, 19, 20, 21. I just I You know I, and I know that you're taking some carries away from Kareem in that in that aspect and that's okay. I mean like I figure out a way to get him but Daryl, I think you're right. I like I don't know if you're trying to find help and, somewhere down the road and and Kareem is a, an option to trade for a big draft pick. Why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't Where, you do where it is
0: now? the Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb package
1: too? We haven't seen that since week one. Oh, we're going to use that. We're going to use it. My My next question for you, Daryl, and I'm, I'll bring this up because we're going to, I know you're going to want to dive into this one for a second. My question for you is going to be when we come back from break, how much longer will the Haslams have patience with this? Or are they all in on this the way we saw with Hugh Jackson? So Hold that thought. We're going to get back to this in a second. If you want to be a part of the show, very easy, because I do think we're ready for a mailbag. I know we've been holding back on a bunch of the stuff because we've had so much to say, and we've had uh, a lot of uh, stuff for the players as well. So um, if you want to be a part of the show, at Game day CLE on either Twitter or Instagram, we love having you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And again, it is a post-game edition of the Browns-Ravens where the Browns lose 23-20, to the Haslam factor. Next, on a post-game edition of Browns-Ravens, Browns Fall 2320. With
0: threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness,
1: decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting it's always game day in cleveland the browns have now dropped four straight games in a row they are two and five they lose to the ravens who jump up to four and three the browns would have had a chance to go over the ravens in the standings if they would have picked up a crucial win in the afc north today that did not happen and it did not happen by three points so the browns have uh, now lost what five out of the last six against the ravens and they fall by a final of 23 20 daryl You know, I I just, I wonder with all the amount of money being invested into this team, the talent that a lot of people have and rumblings about discontent again after the game and players calling out players, uh, which was the storyline of the week last week about trying to get guys motivated. You wonder what the Haslam factor is on this team. And uh, I'll ask you straight up. What do you think? I mean, we've seen at times where they had no patience at all and were ready to fly through head coaches and then. You had Hugh Jackson, who they sat with through, you know, 31 loss. 31 losses, is that right? Yeah, I do the math now that we are playing 17 games. So, uh, Daryl, your thoughts on the Haslam factor?
0: Oh, I think people are getting fired at the end of the year. Unless, unless there is a massive turnaround. I absolutely think people get fired at the end of the year. They're spending way too much money. They got way too much talent on this roster, and they're not winning games. And uh, coaching is a big part of that. Um, you can blame the, the GM for the team building process and the lack of production that you're getting there. But if this goes the way I think it's going to go, I I think people will get fired. Yeah. Because the, the Haslam's look, I mean, for all the criticism that they have gotten since taking this thing over. And by the way, this is the 10th anniversary, uh, of them, uh, being approved for the team. Wow. Um and the only year that the team was any good was the year they weren't allowed around the team and that was in 2020. <laughs> they won 11 games and went to the playoffs. Remember no one, no one, they they had to they had to board up the building to separate everybody from the football team. Football team was sequestered. And ever since the sequester ended, everything's gone to hell. I'm just pointing that out. I'm not blaming the Haslams. I'm just saying it's a weird coincidence. That as soon as everything went back to normal As far as uh, Access to the football team Everything's gone to hell since So, um, But they're not patient people They invest heavily in the team They want to win And I just My take on the situation is People will get fired at the end of the year So um, (laughs) Not going to lie I was really looking forward to covering the Cavaliers In January I have a feeling I'm going to be doing other things in January and none of it has anything to do with the playoffs. So, um, I, I, cause look, how, how can like, first of all, Mike prefer definitely has to get fired. Joe Woods could possibly save his job. If he, if the defense does turn it around, I think prefer has to go special teams is an abomination every freaking week. There's something on special teams, whether it's giving up a 46 yard return today. Um, the fact that they brought a ball at it, look, Anything kicked into the end zone should be a touchback automatically with the Cleveland Browns. punt punt return should just be fair catches um because that's all they can do. Um, then you have the the bad snap from Hewlett on the p a t who we
1: never know. talk about, right? I mean, he's like, been the most consistent player on this team has. for the longest. And but then you know, today, for the first time, then like, I started you know they, wor- I you got worried.
0: Long snappers. Once you get the yips, ooh, he got. Well, he I got yips worried yet. on
1: the on the offside about him too, because, I mean, rarely we ever talk about him at all, which means he's doing his job. And then you had two plays that surrounded your long snapper. Yep. And I, I don't. I mean, I just the special teams
0: is a disaster. It's it's an unmitigated disaster. In fact, I would leave Mike Prefer in Baltimore. Um, but, you know, I, I, I they're just they're not patient people. They don't have time for nonsense. They don't have time for the blame game. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't imagine that the Haslams are going to be very patient. I just like, I can't. There's
1: no way we see a bye week blow up here. No. Is
0: there? No. No because, way. I can't. I don't see yeah, any, There's no, no. use in it. And, and like I said, marked improvement in performance from the defense today. So I think that that should dial down the heat that Joe Woods has been on under. Um, and again, I go back to what I said earlier. Like we all just assume that Joe Woods sucks as a defensive coordinator and no one's willing to just blame the players for not being very good. And which then I put on the general manager because the general manager is the one that brought him in here to, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they will stay the course with everything until the end of the season and then you go into your postseason evaluation, and you you figure stuff out from there. Look, I can make a case to bring Kevin Kevin Stefanski back. The offense is is good; it performs week in and week out. They start the game strong. Um, when they're not asking Jacoby Brissett to be the hero, Brissett is serviceable as a quarterback. Right, uh, Bill Callahan, their offensive line coach, is one of the best in the business. So if you fire Stefanski, you lose him. I would argue that Stump Mitchell's one of the best running backs coaches in the business. You fire Stefanski, you lose him. Right. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there are, it's easy to sit here and just be like fire everybody at the end of the year. Team sucked season went to hell. So just fire everybody. Right. That's easy to say, but. While football is an emotional game is evidenced by what's being reported coming out of Baltimore with some of the shouting and, and yelling that happened in the locker room while reporters were standing outside the door. Uh, supposedly, um, you know you can't make emotional decisions when it comes to your head coaches and stuff. Now, you know Hugh Jackson they kept around because they thought they acknowledged that they might have did him wrong a little bit with the rebuild and the the tanking, not tanking, wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, that they did for for a couple of years. They wanted to give him an honest chance to be successful. By then, he had just been encumbered by the losing and the slop that that ensued and he just he can never recover from that um and and then there's other things behind the scenes uh, where you're deliberately undermining things um so yeah i, I just i don't think that they're going to be patient i'm sorry um and and look i would understand why they spend eight andy they spend so much money on this team they really oh, do. Yeah. They, they spare no expense when it comes to the roster. They were the highest spending team a year ago, cash out the door, and they didn't make the playoffs. I have to look at the numbers this year, but I'm pretty sure they're in the top three, cash out the door again this year, and they're not going to make the playoffs. So that's two straight years where they have been among the top spenders in the league, cash out the door, and they're not going to have anything to show for it. And again, your GM gave up three first round picks, six picks in total to bring in a quarterback. That's going to have absolutely no effect on your team this year. Fingers crossed. He has a positive effect for this, the subsequent years to follow, but it doesn't even matter. I think at this point, if Deshaun plays or not, because they're the season's pretty much shot at two and
1: five. Well, yeah. I mean, what are you looking at? Six games from, right? So yeah, what I mean
0: what you hope to now, what you hope to establish with him when he comes back is that gets in the offense, operates it, gets comfortable with Stefanski and, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you're hoping on. So that you go into the off season, building something kind of like the Eric Mangini thing, minus the, the big, uh, 12, uh, you know, or so game losing streak to, to start that year where they ended up losing or they ended up winning their final four games. Right.
1: Right. Four and 12. Right.
0: right. And so, um, you're hoping that you finish the season in that fashion where it, it, it it's positive and you can carry that over, but for the carryover crowd, defense last year was great at the end of the season. Guess how much of that carried over next year into the <sighs> I mean, or I should say, into this season. Nothing did. So you, you unfortunately you just you can't count on that. But yeah, I mean, you you put me on the hot seat and and want to know if I think that. The Haslam's will stay the course with this group based on the results that they have right now and why they have the results that they have right now. No, like I, I can't justify it. I I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I, I would totally get it if they, but now again, that's the emotional reaction to everything. What is out there for you? I'm not, I'll be honest with you, Andy. I hope they don't fire Stefanski. I'll tell you why. Why? Because I don't want another unproven coordinator in here with his first NFL head coaching job and the expectation he's got to win. There's no, there, there's no veteran coach that's while well, Sean Payton is out there.
1: That's it. I mean, that's in and, and do you honestly think,
0: as much as I love Cleveland, Ohio, I love it with all my heart, okay? Right. But do you honestly think Sean Payton wants to come to Cleveland, Ohio and coach the Cleveland Browns, which is owned by the Haslam's? and they short fuse and X, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Now they are appealing because franchise quarterback is in the Sean Watson, uh, franchise, a lot money, Chubb and David Njoku, by the way, Njoku on national tight end day before he suffered the ankle injury, seven <laughs> catches, 71 yards, another, another strong performance from him. He's having a good year. He's having a really good year. It's amazing what, hop, uh, what happens when you give guys opportunities. Kevin Stefanski can learn from that. Nick Chubb.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at Peyton's ties to you know anything that would be even <laughs> close to us. Hey, just,
0: do we know he, if he's even visited a Pilot Flying J gas station? Do we know he, that?
1: Well, he's been in the vicinity. He was at uh, he was at the offensive coordinator at Miami of Ohio. Oh, but we that's not exactly Cleveland. Um, but it is. As, he was a he member of the, the Pittsburgh state. Gladiators in '87.
0: Did Cleveland so, have a team back then?
1: Um. I yeah. I think we did. Didn't Earl Bruce coach that team? The the Cleveland. Oh wait a minute. If they were the Pittsburgh. I, well, I don't even know. I, no. In 1987, he was with the Chicago Bruisers, the Pittsburgh Gladiators, the Audible Rough Riders, the Bears, and the I don't know somebody Panthers. Oh that was 88 Never mind. in England I think is where it was so forget about that whole yeah, logic so for the I don't fire... I really don't want them to fire Stefanski I no, want to see what he looks like with Watson at the end of the season Me neither I, but... I really don't want to go and I don't want I don't want to lose Callahan I don't want to lose Stump Mitchell there's a lot of really good things that go mm-hmm. along with this coaching staff it's just a matter of putting this thing together and it, I, you know it, the hard part is it's it, it's all reachable with the exception of one loss Every one of these games comes down to two, three plays.
0: Well, no, I even the Patriots' loss is two, three plays, four turnovers, twenty-four points. Andy, you know what I mean? They literally gave that game away. (laughs) It's just—it's
1: the only game I felt like they really just—you know—but you know know what? Good
0: teams find a way to win and bad teams find ways to lose. And unfortunately the Browns are a bad team. They have found ways to lose good calls in their favor or not in their favor or whatever. They just, they always find ways to lose.
1: Uh, Daryl, let's do this again on Tuesday morning. How's that sound? Sound good to you?
0: I uh, will be having a beverage and or two or three and uh, yeah, sounds good.
1: We appreciate you. We always thank you for listening, and we're glad that you're a part of the podcast just by listening. Want to get some feedback from me, too? So on Instagram, it's at Game Day CLE. He's Daryl. I'm Andy for our producer, Meredith Kane, who just kicks, kicks, you know what, every week. Make sure that we get on the air and make sure everything's good to go. Thank you, Meredith. Browns fall in this post game edition against the Ravens 23 20. It's always Game Day.